Thanks for checking out Rock Urban Podcast. We believe that God is on the move and that he uses the power of his word through preaching to speak life. We hope you're encouraged today by the message of Pastor Nick Skippers. Today I want to talk about fathers and specifically the role that fathers play. But I want to start with this this headline to what we're going to discuss and it, it goes like this, the enemy is after the father. If you look around you at the world you live in, you can find a lot of broken homes, a lot of places where kids are being raised just by a mother. Um, You see a lot of divorce. You see a lot of fathers that may be incarcerated. Or maybe some of you lost your father at this point in your life. Some people in here probably lost your father at a very young age, and so you didn't have that role model. I want to state as I start here that Father's Day is by far, I say this emphatically, the most underrated and misunderstood day of the year. In my mind, from what I've studied this entire week, because I didn't really truly have an understanding of what what the role of the patriarch is in the home. In my mind, Father's Day takes third place behind Easter and Christmas. You see, year after year in America, Mother's Day takes the cake. And this is not a a bash on mothers. I want to simply state something, that the father is the foundation and the bedrock of every family. That's the way God designed it. That's what Scripture teaches us. Satan's goal is to steal away the power and the importance of patriarchy, of that figurehead, of that man in the home who is meant to make decisions, of that strong backbone of every family. There's three things I want to discuss when it comes to the father, and they are as follows. The father's standing, the father's role, and the salvation that inevitably, by God's design from Genesis 2, comes through the father and the way he raises his kids. Now, I'm not saying that kids that grow up without a father can't be saved. But I am saying that the type of feminism, and here's where I'm going to step on some toes and you might get up and leave, that's okay. The type of feminism that has been rising in our country and in a variety of other countries is really a result of a hunger for strong fathers that have not been present. Women want a dad that can actually speak into their world, that can comfort them, love them, tell them the direction to go, protect them, provide for them, and we'll get to that later. Satan, first and foremost, wants to attack the standing of the father. Just a moment ago, Pastor Gary had all the fathers and grandfathers stand up. So he stole my example. I was going to have you stand up and have everybody look around. You already saw who the fathers were. Their standing is all about this, okay, because we live in a world where the opinion of the people causes paralysis. The opinion of the people of America causes paralysis. The media is teaching our kids more than what our parents are teaching them. The fathers are gone so often that they are not imparting the wisdom that God has meant for them to impart into their kids' lives. 
They're not there to give the loving touch, to hold their kids and assure them that it's okay. You can say whatever you want. Every child needs a father figure who can protect them. It's a role that a mother can fight to do if she has to, but she was not really intended to do by God's design. The intelligent designer behind all of creation said that I am the father and therefore the blessing and the direction and the power and the favor is going to flow. As it flows from me, the father, down to all of creation, it's going to flow through every father in each home. That was the design. And so you have a big, big responsibility, fathers. But you also, and I know some of you, who probably get butterflies inside, you also have a major blessing. Because you get to see the fruit of your labor. You get to see what God amazingly provided. Whether you have your, your own biological kids or your adopted kids, it doesn't matter to you. You're a dad. You take care of them. You raise them up. And, and God wants you to understand that if you are abdicating your role, even if you are in the home but you're not speaking up and you're not being the dad you need to be, you are having it so that your kids are missing out on the experience they're supposed to get by God's design. Who is the father in the eyes of the people? You know, in the Old Testament, it was Father's Day 365 days a year. Why is that? Because it was not wired the way our society is wired. God had a design. He had a specific design. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. There's a reason why fathers were created first. Because Adam is our father. All of our fathers. And just as sin came through Adam and passed to all of us, he was the first Adam. Christ was considered by biblical scholars to be the second Adam. Just as sin passed to all mankind and we are all doomed, redemption passed to all mankind through the second Adam, Jesus, the perfect one, the spotless lamb. And so now fathers need to pick up the torch and be men, be strong. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was created first and then Eve. All right, so here we're going to get a filter. This is, this is called the offense filter. All right? Before I go any further, because I just what I just read, it's in the Bible. All right? Just to assure you, because some of the women are going, I don't think that's in there. <laughs> that's not what my mom taught me. <laughs> Well, here's the offense filter, and if you want to leave offended, that's fine. But if it's in here, you don't have the right because it's God's word. God had a specific design. Now, if I start teaching something that's heretical today, go ahead, send me an email. Come in. We can fist fight, unless you're a woman. Um, <laughs> we can have it out. Draw a circle. You know, you want to wrestle? Last time I wrestled, I dislocated my elbow, so we'll skip that one. But... What I want to say is so often people in our culture are getting offended about things that really are God's design. You can pick that bone with God when you get to heaven if you get there, right? And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm being serious. This is what I'm teaching today. Men, you are the head. You're the head. We, we a lot of times talk about this, and I, I might even say it today, and it's almost the wrong kind of um, phrasing or thinking, is it's this idea that we are giving up our headship. 
you can't give it up. Paul says you are the head. It's not a matter of choice. It's not dependent on your attitude. It's not whether you wake up and say, I feel like being the dad today. You are the dad. You know, if the dad leaves the home, cheats on his wife, leaves the kids and the mother at home, and there's an empty chair at the table, that becomes the story of the family, no matter how you like it. The story of infidelity, the story of cheating, the story of backbiting, lying, leaving the family. The open chair becomes the story of the family. No matter what you say, you can fill the void with someone else. And I'm not saying that to try to condemn anyone that's been divorced or remarried or anything like that. You have to make the most of what God has given you. But fathers, stay. You are the head. You don't have a choice. So... When we look at this, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 9. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is, this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to delegitimize. Delegitimize, not delegitimize. Oh, my goodness. He wants to delegitimize the role of the father. Yeah, making up new words that sound like George W. Bush II. George H. W. Bush. So he wants to take away the credibility of the father. And what he does is he starts right at the beginning. If you take away the father, you are already messing up the creation order. The creation order is this. In the Greek, this is further on in my message, but I want to jump to it. In the Greek, the, the word father is pater. Okay, P-A-T-E-R. You don't need to put it on the screen. It's pater. And what it actually means is this. It means originator, generator, transmitter of a thing. If we look at Genesis 2-7, dads, we got to see what happened. Okay, God created man in his own image, but he did it in a way that he didn't create anything else. He breathed into dust. He breathed. In the breathing into the dust, he put a stamp of eternity on the man's heart. And through Adam, all other human beings were, giving, were given this option of eternity. And until the fall, that was what was meant to be, is perfect eternity and bliss. But because the man failed in his role as the one who was supposed to take responsibility, we have the mess that we have today. Fathers, we need to be strong. I speak futuristically because a lot of you are going, well, you're not a dad. You don't know how to change a diaper. You haven't dealt with a teenager. You haven't. You, you, I get little glimpses of it because we took um, Josiah with us last night. And he's going to be like, I'm never sitting in there where Nick preaches ever again. But I turned around on the way home and uh, Lexi said, did you have fun? And he kind of. I don't know. I was really tired. It, so this is how the night went. We went to uh, Olga's, which is one of our favorite restaurants. I was really tired out. And I literally two times ago, we went to the um, Woodland Mall. And I was literally making fun, uh, not, not like to his face, but, you know, behind his back. You know, I was, I was looking at this guy sitting in the massage chair. Outside of Forever 21, there's four massage chairs. And I kid you not, this is like, what a hypocrite. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awkward. You're just walking through the mall, and you look, and this big, heavyset guy is just going. <laughs> and you're stuck in the chair, and he's just looking around. And so I went into Forever 21. This is the last time we went. 
shopped for a little while, decided I didn't want to spend any money because I'm Dutch. Told my wife she could spend like $7 total. And then I walked out and I went, my back kind of hurts. This is a lot cheaper than a massage at Swindles. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's like, you're, you're damaging my business. So here I am. Lexi walks out and I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> so this time I actually said, I actually look forward to shopping at Woodland. <laughs> Even if I don't buy anything. So she went into Forever 21 and I'm like, my back's getting pretty tight again. I'm sitting in the chair. So Josiah got to go along. We ate at Olga's, went shopping. I sat in the chair. He sat by me thinking, what a weirdo. And then we're in the car ride home, and, you know, this is the idea, you know, starting to deal with teenagers. And Lexi goes, did you have fun? Mm -mm. Sometimes he's not, he doesn't, like, right out vocalize. I said, were you bored? Uh-huh. And you know what I had for a minute? I had a you're almost a dad moment, you know? And it's gonna go in a flash. You're gonna have a teenage son and he's gonna be just like me, which is bad news. And he's gonna go, I'm bored, dad. And I'm gonna be like, get out of the car and walk home if you're bored, okay? <laughs> go build something in the woods. If you don't wanna go along, that's fine. You can stay in the basement, in the cage. <laughs> I'm sure some of you have those moments. And then I got home and thought, I was him. My parents had to deal with that nagging all the time, all the way to Florida. I'm bored. I don't want to go to Cracker Barrel again, Mom. <laughs> Think about the patience that God our Father has to have with us. Oh, my goodness. I, I get short-fused when it's like, I'm bored. Well, deal with it. And God the Father is, is the one who has to deal with every single one of us. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will, they were created and have their being. This is what, this is what kids need, okay? They need to know that your standing is not subjective. It's an objective fact. You are the dad, you are the head, you will always be there unless God decides to take you, and you will be strong, and you will always love them, and you will always lead them, and you will always speak up when it's needed, even if you're tired, and even if you're angry, and even if you're struggling with something, because you are the example, the image of God the Father in the home. You, fathers, it's the greatest responsibility, but it's the greatest blessing. I was watching some other pastors and what they had to say about manhood, about fatherhood, about masculinity. And one of the pastors said this. I thought it was perfect. Masculinity takes responsibility. That's it. He said, well, what's the definition? He said, you're probably expecting some extravagant answer. Masculinity takes responsibility. If you are a man and you take responsibility of your, your certain scenario, your life scenario right now, you are being a man. But when you shirk from responsibility, you're walking away from what God designed. He also said that authority flows to those who take responsibility and authority flees those who shirk responsibility. Huh? It comes in the little things. It comes in saying, I'm tired, but I'm still going to pray with my son, my daughter. I'm tired, but I'm still going to set the example of 
taking my shoes off. And I'm not joking. I'm being serious. I'm going to go mow the lawn. You know, I think that in the millennial generation, we have chaos for a multitude of reasons. Now I want to get to the role of the father, but I, I first of all want to highlight something that I think is destroying our country and is destroying the world. It's a father hunger. We are hungry for fathers. We are hungry for the father. And earthly fathers need to step up and set the example of who the heavenly father is. Feminism is an attack on our father above our godly father. We need men to lead and be strong. Number one, feminism fights against the image and the authority of God the Father. Feminism, number two, flips God's order for the family by attacking the role of the Father. Number three, feminism fails to acknowledge the leadership role that God gave to men in the book of Genesis. Number four, feminism short-circuits God's conduit, Adam, all the way to Christ for substitutionary atonement. Christ was meant to be the conduit for you to be saved. But it started all the way back with Adam. If you look at the genealogy from Adam all the way to Christ, that is our foundation. God had a plan all along to work through his son, the great almighty father to work through Jesus to save us. Isn't that powerful? We look at Satan's attack on the role of the father. Satan attacks the role of the father. Well, what is the role of the father? The father is meant to protect, first and foremost. We've talked about this a lot as a staff, as we have staff meetings each week. And Pastor Gary has emphasized the reality that we have a misperception of what the president is supposed to do. Now, maybe not a lot of you, because there are a lot of people in here that hold the same views about what the president is supposed to do. But we have a lot of people in our country that think the president is supposed to be more concerned with climate change than he is with defending our freedom. That's wrong. The father is first and foremost, okay, because Donald Trump, whether you like it or not, is the leader, the father of the nation right now. That's how it works. And each and every father in this room has the role of protecting your children. Your number one fear, if you really love your kids, is that they'd run out in the street, that they'd, get, they'd fall out of the boat and they'd drown in the lake. It makes you cringe. It makes you think, I wouldn't want to live any longer. Some of you have lost children. That's the hardest possible thing you could go through. Fathers, you are the protector. You know, there's two examples I want to share with my dad, and then there's some examples I want to share with Pastor Gary, because I have an amazing father-in-law who's been a father to me spiritually. He's been a father to me. I'm in his family now. And then I have my father, my blood father. And I remember two specific things. The first one would be this. I'm, I'm 19 years old, and I go to a party. I was very rebellious. Go to a party when I'm 19, and nobody's, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm drinking whiskey. I'm drinking beer. I'm drinking as much as I possibly can. And, I, and about two or three hours into it, I realized that I'm not doing so hot. I have had too much to drink. You ever been there? And... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pass the bottle down. <laughs> Where's the wine cup? <laughs> yeah. I remember being at a party. I was only about five, ten minutes away from my house. I still lived with my parents. 
I had this problem of if I'd get, I'd get drunk really fast and I would totally forget that it's only like 10.30. And my parents go to bed really early. My dad goes to bed at like 8.45. I'm like, I remember one time I was making a joke against my dad, not trying to be mean, but in a sense, I kind of got whiplash by my oldest brother. We were talking at work one day and I'm like, gosh, dad goes to bed. This was like only a year ago. Dad goes to bed at like 8.20. It's ridiculous. He goes, if you woke up at 4.30 every morning to make sure everything was ready for the business, you'd probably go to bed at 8.30. I'm like, point taken. <laughs> point well taken. I don't know why he can't stay up till midnight like me. Because <laughs> you wake up at 7. It's not that hard. So... I was at this party, and I remember I actually fought one of my friends. He was trying to take my keys because he knew I shouldn't drive. I drove home. I made it home. And I walk in the door, and I wasn't expecting this. So the way it was set up is you have the garage right here, and you walk in, and you go through the, the service door, you know, from the garage into the house. And you're, there's a bathroom to the right, and the kitchen is right here. And I'm just, I can't find the light switch in the garage I'm stumbling around making all kinds of racket. Well, that woke my dad up. Oh, no. (laughs) And I open the door, and I walk in, and there are my mom and dad standing side by side in the kitchen. And I go, abort. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. I thought, this is bad news bears here. And I turn into the bathroom, and I shut the door, and I lock it, and I start going to the bathroom thinking, I'll just tell them I had to pee really bad. Probably not supposed to say that in church, right? I hear a knock. It was like the cops were at the house. (laughs) Yeah, Dad. Are you drunk? No. (laughs) Said to go to the bathroom really bad. And all the laughter aside, the night did not get better. Remember, I came out got in an argument, stumbled down the stairs to where my bedroom was, and I laid down. And I said, leave me alone. I was lying on the bed. My dad literally laid there thinking maybe he should take me to the ICU to pump my stomach because he thought I could possibly die of alcohol poisoning. I laid there. He was making sure I was still breathing. He's sitting there in his underwear. I'm laying on my bed in my whatever jean shorts from the summer from the party just laying there on top of my comforter and everything and he's watching me and like a zombie two hours later he's making sure I'm not going to stop breathing I resurrect from the dead turn and projectile vomit all over him in his underwear at that point he was not a happy grizzly bear and he grabbed me and carried me up the stairs and I still remember it to this day It wasn't, you're done, you're finished. He was most concerned about who bought you the alcohol, who is getting you into this. You need to stop this. This is not good for you. Literally, I'm I'm in my underwear. He's in his underwear. My dad and I are taking a shower together. (laughs) He's washing the vomit off of me, him. We're having an argument. And the next day, he said, you know, I care about you. There were many times where I would go to work and he could tell and he would say, you can't keep doing this. I can't have you work here. It's not, it's not even safe. I'd have to fire you. But he never did fire me. He never kicked me out of the house. He said, I love you. He said, I want you to stop. You know, I remember when I was, I played, 
a year of football after I graduated high school because I thought that was my life, sports. And so I played for the Grand Rapids Thunder. It's an outdoor league. And there was a lot of partying that I didn't get involved with because I was trying to stop drinking. And that was when I first started as an intern under Pastor Gary's ministry. And I remember in the summer, my buddy called me. It was the second summer where I was going to go back and play. And Pastor, like a father, called me and said, you know, I know you love that, but you're called the ministry now. I'm trying to help you in saying that I don't know that that's the best for you. Fathers protect. Fathers keep you from going there. It was a a football team filled with people snorting cocaine on the weekends and dropping acid. I never partook of it, but who's to say when I go back, I'm not going to try it out. We need to watch out for our kids. Fathers are protectors. Psalm 28, 7 through 8 says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. The family is only as strong as the father. Your family will only be as strong as your father. God is a provider. Everyone in here has to look all the way back, and I don't have this on the screen, but Genesis 2.15 says this, And the Lord God put the man in the garden to work it and keep it. That's your mandate for life, fathers, to work it and keep it. And I want to make a crucial point here because in 2.16, he says that you can eat from any tree in the garden. In 2.17, he says you must not eat from one tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in 2.18, he says it's not good for man to be alone. So there's something you need to learn here. Prior to the woman actually coming to be, the man was given the mandate of what he was meant to do for Eve, who is the mother of all the living. And so in the center of this garden, there's a garden who is Eve. And his... His mandate is to work and keep, to work everything out within your family, to mature your children, to be mature adults that love God. That's your goal. It's not, I heard a pastor say, the goal is not this. Everybody get in the lifeboat and just make it to the other side. It's not meant to just survive. It's meant for your family to thrive. It's meant so that you actually produce sons that want to worship Jesus. You are the provider of what they need growing up to understand who God is. You are the one who is supposed to give them the inspiration to go out and take the world and take charge and lead. We have too many kids fighting wars on call of duty. And they don't even understand what war is. I said, I don't know where we were the other day. We were at the Dunes in Saugatuck for our event this weekend for college group, and I said, they should literally have, I know they have camps for juvenile delinquents, but they should have camps just for teenagers where they send them out into the dunes or somewhere where they can just give them shovels and shoot fake bombs and make them fight for 12 hours a day, digging trenches, hiding, fighting for their life for five, six weeks on end. Until they drop 20 pounds because of the heat and the the struggle. And they realize this is what our forefathers did to make it so we could be free. I saw a picture of my grandfather on Facebook, my mom's dad. And he's been gone for quite some time. And he fought 
And my, my grandpa Skipper's fought as well. He fought in World War II. And I was talking to Pastor a while back, and I said, you know, we're at the point where it's the final probably five or ten years, and our kids will not have known a World War II vet. It's gone. You know how things vanish from the memory of the people? You know how history just gets erased? People say the Holocaust didn't even happen. No, our fathers, our grandfathers fought for us. We need to stop acting like children. To all the men, because I'm single and I want to be a father someday. To all the men in here that say, I'm not even. I, I don't have kids. I'm not single. Sometimes I get my words. Way back several years ago, I preached a message where I got Tori the dog and Lexi mixed up. And I said that. I said that I was going to put Lexi out in the garage because she was misbehaving. <laughs> wow. Now that's male chauvinism. I don't have kids. I'm, I've been married for almost three years. I made that mistake once too. <laughs> Facebook confused me and I told somebody we've been married a year and a half. And my wife goes, add a year to that, honey. <laughs> All right, thanks, Facebook. <laughs> we are meant as men, even if you are single, okay, or even if you're married and you don't have kids, be the leader now. It's not going to magically happen. You're not just going to snap into it. If you're not leading now in your relationship, maybe you should take a break for a little while if you're not married yet and say, I need to reevaluate. Because once you get into it, you're going to be stuck there your whole life, fighting an uphill battle. Men are meant to lead, not, not in a mean way. You're meant to love your wives. You're meant to lead in love, compassion. Fathers are the power source. Fathers are the protectors, the providers, and the power source. Your role is to produce power inside the home. What does that even mean? You're the generator. You know, there are kids that can't even run a mile. This may seem like a stupid example, but there are kids that couldn't even run a mile because their parents have never taught them to get off the couch. There are people that can't even do simple tasks. Kids that are not graduating high school because they have no dad or their dad doesn't care. Come on. Kids that could not possibly work an eight-hour day. I go to work sometimes on Monday working for my dad. My day off, I go work for my dad. And there are kids that are 20 years old who don't know how to rake topsoil. All you got to do is rake the junk off the top and make it look pretty. It's all bumps. It looks like a dirt bike whoop section, like, like a dirt bike track. We need to be the power source to teach kids to push through the pain, to push through the struggle, to push through the persecution. Your kids are going to go through persecution if they believe in Jesus. We need to be the power source. God is our power source. Just as God the Father exerted his power and raised Jesus up from the dead, you need to pick your kids up. You need to pick them up. There's, there's a great example of this that you've probably seen before, but I want to show it because I feel like more than even what I could say, this video tells the story of what I'm trying to say here. I don't know about you, but I can look back at countless times in my life where I, I remember going home after getting out of jail the second time and saying, 
I'm just, I'm just an F-up. I don't want to live. I have no purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I keep hurting you, Mom and Dad. I don't want to do this. I have no future. I have no purpose in life. And they said, yes, you do. Satan wanted me dead because he knew there was something out there greater that God had designed. I remember when I was in my first year or two as um, an intern, and Pastor Gary actually said, I, I'm going to have you start leading the college ministry. I never felt so overwhelmed in my life. When I first came to the church, I was so introverted, I didn't want to say a word. I remember when I had to sing in front of the college group the first time, I thought I was going to have a stroke or a heart attack. God, please. You ever have those moments? You're like, God, please just make me disappear from this situation. I remember sitting in my office thinking, I, you ever go to a new job or you get called by God to do something new? And in the beginning, you're like, what am I even doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good at this. Some things come hard. I was in the office ready to cry, and I didn't know who to talk to because I thought, I suck at this, but I don't want to admit that I suck at this because then maybe Pastor Gary will just want to get rid of me because I'm not any good at leading the college ministry. I'm not any good at running events and doing this church thing and being in ministry. Maybe I'm not meant to even be in ministry, and the enemy started playing on my mind. And I remember the end of the day, pastors stopped by, and I think Aaron was there too, and they were getting ready to leave, and I was just sitting at my computer at and he said, you okay? And I just broke down and said, I'm not, I can't do this. Nobody wants to come to college ministry. I suck at speaking. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even think I'm supposed to be used by God. I'm so much better at so many other things. I'm good at excavating. I'm good at football and basketball. And a lot of times in life you think you have to rely on something that you were once good at. And God says, no, I want you to do something that you're not that good at. So you have to rely on me. I'm your father. Pastor Gary said, you are called. It doesn't just happen overnight. You don't become a good preacher. You don't become a good leader overnight. I needed a father to reassure me of that. He didn't even know he was going to be my father back then. I remember when we were first doing the parking lot at the church and he swung by and I was out there running the big saw. Who knew that that same saw I'd be using out here to cut this parking lot like eight, nine, I don't even know how many years later. And I'm out there cutting and I'm just whatever, thinking ready to go home, work day's almost done. And he says, you should come to our college ministry. There's a lot of cute girls in there. I led college ministry for like six years. I never dated a single one of them. What the heck? Until Lexi came into the college ministry. He didn't know that. I would marry his daughter way back then, but God has a plan. The God the Father has a plan for your life. Fathers, there is redemption. Sons, there, there is redemption. When your dreams are crushed and you think it's over, the Father, okay, fathers, you are the power source. Kids want to be assured that you are with them and that you love them and that they do not need to give up. You know how many teenagers commit suicide nowadays? Do you know how many teenagers overdose on drugs? 
It's increased. It was like 25,000 a year in 2005, and now it's up, I think, above 60,000. It's, it's around 60,000 that teenagers overdose on drugs a year because they need to be assured that they can make it. God, our Father, loves you. He's given the fathers in this room a task, a powerful task. Fathers are the passion producers. I want to make something very clear today. What is missing in our churches, okay, because a lot of churches have moms that are yelling and saying, not, not in a bad way, but they're, they're saying amen, and they're actually agreeing, and they're going to Bible study, and they want to be in it. And there's not a lot of fathers. Our church is actually kind of pretty well balanced or almost the opposite. We have more men coming to Bible study than we do ladies. We need to lead fathers. And don't just think going to Bible study is enough. You have to really believe and be passionate about what you believe because your kids will see it. Your kids will see your passion. If you really mean it or not, do not just go through the motions. Kids are way smarter than you think. Way smarter than you think. They can tell your inner motivation. Kids are not stupid. I grew up in church thinking, fake, whatever. I'm ready to sleep. Now I'm going to sleep. I had it timed out. I knew how long the prayers were. I'd put my head down on the pew. Praise God from whom all bless. I could go from a dead sleep into singing the benediction at my Reformed church. No joke. Because the passion was not there. Come on. Fathers, you are the passion producers in your home. You are meant to be the Elijahs. You are meant to be Moses. You are meant to be David. You are meant to be a man after God's own heart. The last thing is we are the peacemakers. Fathers are the peacemakers. When there's chaos in the home, you better know that fathers, you really have to get to work because you are responsible Dissension and chaos in the home comes when the father does not lead and does not handle things properly. If there's a security that comes when children know that you truly love, your, love their mother, you take care of her and treat her like a queen, you go to work every day and work your butt off. There are so many invaluable things that I've learned. I've learned that no matter how sick pastor might be, no matter how depressed he might feel on Saturday night, no matter how swollen his knee might be, how many times has he just skipped? He's a preacher of the gospel. I have an example set that I am going to be a preacher of the gospel in power for my life. That is my calling. That is my mission. That is what my father has set in place. I remember learning, I remember learning every single Saturday my dad would come and be like 6.30 in the morning and be like, most of my friends get to play video games all Saturday. Get up, we're going to go cut wood. I'm so sick of carrying logs, dad. My fingers are cold. Wait an hour or two, it'll go away. <laughs> it does. You know, you start working in the middle of the winter in the morning and it just, when the sun comes out, it's like it drops 10 degrees and your fingers just go... <laughs> And you're like, 
Dad, I can't. Just working away. It's come back to bite him a little bit because my dad got diabetes. I'm not saying this to make fun that he has diabetes, but he got diabetes, so he got on a strict workout plan several years ago to lose weight so that he'd be more healthy. He lost that weight, and he got diabetes, and something happened. We're in the house now. He's got the wood stove cranked. It's like 97 degrees. He's sitting in his Lazy Boy watching whatever, and we're talking, and he's got an Afghan over top of him. I'm sitting in there going, you guys mind if I just wear a wife beater and some shorts? (laughs) Fathers are meant to teach their kids what hard work is, to teach their kids what perseverance is, and to teach their kids that you are meant to make peace as children of God. Bring peace. Fathers, you start the fire in the hearts of your kids for Jesus. You generate in them a standard for hard work. You teach them what self-control is. You teach them. The reason why kids don't have self-control is because they have dads that are stuck playing fantasy football hours every day. I'm serious. Grown men playing video games. 35 years old playing video games. You need to smash the video game console and throw it away because it's not godly. It's an addiction. The last and most important thing I want to say is this. Satan attacks the salvation that comes from the Father. Salvation flows down from the top. Fathers, you are responsible. You are responsible. Romans 5, 12, starting at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Adam is the pattern of the one to come, Jesus who is our salvation. Fathers, I'm going to just stop here and close this. I could go further, but you are setting the pattern that is meant to look like Jesus. You bring salvation to your home. Now, a lot of you have a lot of catching up to do, and sometimes it doesn't happen in a moment. Sometimes you pray your entire life for someone to be saved. Fathers, I pray that you're blessed today. I pray that you leave here feeling empowered. I pray that you can look back on your life and say, I did everything I could to bless my kids and teach them about Jesus. I'm serious. I pray that you walk out of here with a load lifted because God loves you. Maybe your father wasn't a great father, but you know what? God the Father loves you. He will carry you. Just like the man in the video When your dreams, that's his only shot at the Olympics. It's his only shot in this race. Down the toilet. But his father came and said, there's still, there's still hope. There's still hope for you, fathers. There's still hope for you and your families. Let's pray. God, you have poured your love upon us and we 
are so undeserving because we are so sinful. Our hearts are as black as coal. But yet you love us. Because if we know Jesus and we've received salvation from Christ, when you look at us, you see the righteousness of Christ. You don't see our sin. God, I thank you for that. And I pray for every person in here that maybe has a struggle. You maybe need to go to your father today and you need to say, I love you. You need to say, you're amazing. You need to say, no matter what mistakes you made, you did your best. I really am grateful that you were my dad. You know what that'll do? That'll make his entire week. Say, I love you, dad. God, I thank you for what you've done in so many lives in this church. And I pray today as fathers leave and as families leave that we'll spend this day honoring the men in the home that are our leaders, our refuge, our protectors, providers, our, our, our passion givers, our power source. God, please pray blessing over everyone in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. At Rock Urban, we hope that through our podcast, you will experience the grace and love of Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, please check out our website at therockmi.org.